0: The Art of Darkness, Chapter 1 Written by Jim Rennie with the aid of AI Dungeon An artificial intelligence device which generates story See if you can tell where the real writer stops and the AI writer begins Read by the author, the human author Paul Blart Mall glides along on his trusty segway He weaves effortlessly in between the swathes of customers he has sworn to protect. As he passes the Cinnabon, he sees two overweight gentlemen arguing. He slides into the situation, parks the Segway and puts himself between the two men. Now, now, there's no need for all this, he attempts to soothe the situation. This absolute elephant is trying to cut in line, says one portly gentleman. I was here first. "'This goddamn bison better get out of the hell out of my way,' says the other portly gentleman. "'Listen here. I'm a police officer, sir. "'I am charged with enforcing the laws of the good city of Indianapolis, "'not of this shithole where these fat fuckers hide.' "'Whoa, dude. No need to take such a wild tone,' says one portly gentleman. "'Yeah, and your badge says Mall Security. "'So calm the hell down, Hawaii Five-O,' says the other portly gentleman.' You don't like my island tan? I'll give you a name, mister, says Blart. No, no, I just thought you were some kind of government spy. No, no, just here to protect this mall. That's my rightful place. We seem to have reached a level of contentment here. So what do you fellas say that we put our hot brains, our hot heads on ice and just get us a little Cinnabon? Blart says, immediately calming the situation. "'Cinnabon,' says the first man. "'Did he just say Cinnabon?' "'That's right. Do you like Cinnabon?' "'I sure as hell do.' "'Didn't know there was one in this mall,' says the first man. "'See, he doesn't even care about the Cinnabon. "'He's just trying to get us to be chill. "'He's a damn mall cop,' one portly gentleman says, "'getting the tents completely wrong. "'Okay, this situation seems to be resolved. "'I'm out of here. Stay safe, gentlemen.' Paul Blart heads off to patrol the rest of the mall. As he passes the opticians, he expects to see a plain white wall for about 15 feet before the Disney store. But his segue screeches to a halt when he sees a red door. There has never been a door here before, Blart says out loud to himself for the sake of his brain-dead audience. It is true, there has never been a door here before. Blart knew every single inch of this place inside and out. Why on earth was there a door here? He makes his way to the door and puts his hand on the doorknob. He turns it and the door opens. This is not right. This is not the way this door is supposed to work, he says, confoundingly, as this is how doors work and he has never seen this door before. Regardless, he opens it and sees a bare room of grey painted bricks. He walks in and the door slams behind him. What in the holy mother of Dickens? There is a second door in the room, which Blart walks towards before it blasts open. A man in military garb bursts in. Who the fuck are you? What are you doing in here? shouts the military man. The question is who are you? What are you doing here? Blart yells back. You do not possess the right to ask such insubordinate questions, young man. You sound American, are you? The man is about to speak when Blart raises his fist. The man raises his hands and instead and sighs. "'Yes, I am, sir,' replies Blart, ignoring the strange hand gestures the two men seemingly did out of a mutual body spasm. "'And what is that uniform you're wearing? Speak quickly and clearly, son. "'This is my mall security uniform, see? My name is Paul Blart. I don't understand what's happening here. "'When did they put this room in? Mall security? How the hell did you end up in my interrogation room? "'This does not make any goddamn sense, son. You are clearly out of your mind and I will bring you to the psych ward immediately.' I don't understand. What is the meaning of this place? Places can't mean anything, boy. That's a nonsensical question. But given that you're probably a lunatic, I guess I should go easy on you. Guards! Two guards come in and drag Paul Blart out of the room and down a long corridor. They stop in front of a heavy metal door and lock it. But we need to get through that door there, says guard one. Oh yeah, I forgot, says guard two. There's a small laser grid in the door frame. If you get too close to the door, the lasers will will detect you and fry your brains. Brains? Paul Blart says. You mean like a laser gun in your head? Exactly, says Guard 2. Well, I guess you're going to have to stand back from the door and pray that the laser gun misses you. What in all heck is going on? pleads Paul Blart. They get through the door with surprising ease and they drag Paul Blart to a small waiting area. Paul Blart notices a heavy rotary dial phone on the front desk. ''We need to get a medic van here and to take this young man to the psych ward,'' the military man says to the person behind the desk. He picks up the heavy phone before stopping. ''I don't have their number. Does anyone know it?'' More military people with guns walk back and forth. Paul Blart notices that a lot of them are smoking indoors. The person behind the desk looks through a filing cabinet. ''Why don't you just Google it?'' says Paul Blart. ''What in the hell is a Google?'' ''Damn, son, you're more out of your mind than you realize. They don't know what Google is? Paul Blart then notices there isn't a computer on the desk. And then, in horror, he sees a calendar on the wall behind the desk. It says, 1965. What the heck? Says Paul Blart. The number is found and Paul Blart is dragged into a white van. He can see through tiny slits the building they are driving away from. It is the mall, but there are lots of other smaller buildings around it. Am I dreaming? Paul Blart thinks to himself. Or am I dying? I'm going to tell you one last time. Where the hell am I and where am I going? Says Paul Blart. You're going to the nuthouse. Where the hell did you get those clothes from anyhow? Says the driver. Well, I'm not one for labels, I'm afraid. But I can tell you this. It's the middle of the 20th century. At least I think it is. Well, you're right about that, says the driver. Paul Blart realises he's got 20th and 21st centuries mixed up, thereby taking the starch out of his point. I'm from 2022. I walked through through a door that wasn't there before and now I'm here, Paul Blart says to the driver. The driver doesn't respond. Are you going to the nut house, says Paul Blart. Maybe, maybe not. What I want to know is what is this place and where are we going? Paul Blart was having difficulty putting relevant sentences together. This was going to hinder his chances of coming across as sane when he got to the psych ward. At the psych ward, Paul Blart is washed, dressed and given a bed in a locked room. He is told that he will be receiving a battery of tests in the morning, so he should try and get some rest. Paul Blart finds himself in a very large building with several other doors. He can only guess that he is in the heart of the military complex. Who the hell knows what is going on? Well, the rest of us know what is going on. In the morning, Paul Bart is greeted in his room by Dr Max, who is smiling as he enter pa- enters Paul's room. He is wearing a lab coat over a crisp white shirt and tie. Dr Max is a young man with dark hair, a thin moustache and dark eyes. He is the opposite of the driver from earlier. Good morning, Paul. My name is Dr Max. I hear that you've come from the 21st century, or at least you think you do, Dr Max says. He sits down on the edge of the bed and smiles at Paul Blart. He says, I think you're confused, that's all. Paul Blart says, I work in a shopping mall. My name is Paul Blart. I walked through a door and somehow ended up in the 1960s. Got to say, it's not as groovy as I thought it would be. Paul Blart tries to keep his voice calm and professional. Dr. Max says, The problem is that even if this were true, there would be no way to prove it. Dr. Max says, What are you talking about? How can I prove I didn't imagine all this? Paul Blart is starting to get annoyed. He has already been through this with the old guy earlier. Well, that is kind of my point, says Dr Max. Dr Max orders a range of psychological tests, all of which Paul Blart passes with flying colours. He realises that all of this is just a test to see if he is insane or not. He tries to remember what he is doing in his own time. Then he remembers he was at home. This contradicts the facts, which he hopes won't work against his favour. "'Well, apart from steadfastly believing you have time-travelled, there are no real signs of mental illness or neurological damage,' says Dr Max. "'There is nothing here to suggest that you are losing your grip on reality,' Dr Max continues. "'So you are left with two options. Firstly, I can claim that you are insane and keep you here. To do that, I would have to heavily sedate you daily and keep you in a strict routine.' Or we can declare you sane and you can join the war effort. Which do you choose? Paul Blart doesn't have to think about this for too long. He chooses the second option. Dr Max smiles at Paul Blart. Excellent. I'll get the paperwork filed. Says Dr Max, who pats him on the shoulder as he leaves. No contest. Got to join the army. With my extensive training, I should pass any tests. And there wasn't any wars on at this time piece of cake, Paul Blart says to himself. Well, Paul Blart's education had let him down and a mere week later he is in a helicopter flying over Vietnam. He can't see much from the air, but he can hear the screams and explosions from the ground. He is glad he chose the army over the other two choices. At least I'm not a drooling mess, that's something, Paul Blart says. The helicopter lands in a small clearing in the jungle. There are a few huts nearby and there is the sound of screaming and explosions. We're in the thick of it, says Hunter, one of Paul's fellow soldiers. This is where we get to mingle with the natives, Hunter says. Paul Blart and his fellow soldiers are met by a group of Vietnamese locals. They scream, shout and shake hands with the soldiers. From the beef briefing we got, I thought we had to kill these people. Very glad I don't have to, says Paul Blart. I'm getting sick of war. The soldiers are then taken to a small village. It is a beautiful area and the houses are made out of wood and bamboo. Hunter says, We're going to be working closely with this group of natives. Our job is to protect this village and use it as a tactical outpost. You got that, Blart? Hunter says. No problem, says Blart. Hunter and his fellow soldiers begin teaching the soldiers how to use small arms, how to conduct house-to-house searches, ambush and patrol. Paul Blart is fitting in well, despite this being the longest time he can remember moving without the aid of a Segway. In a moment of respite from the military training and a constant lookout for enemy troops, Paul Blart and Hunter talk around the fire. "'So, Blart, tell me about yourself,' says Hunter. "'What were you doing before the war?' Working in a shopping centre, says Paul Blart. I was a security guard. And you won't believe this. Nobody believes this. But I actually live in 2022. I travelled through a red door. Hunter looks at Paul Blart in disbelief. He shakes his head and says, Shit, man. Did we win the war? Hunter asks. Paul Blart is touched that Hunter believes him. No, says Paul Blart. But we do have some very cool hovercrafts. Hovercrafts, says Hunter. Are you sure it's not the 2060s? Paul Blart registers this as a potential joke, and he laughs. A large explosion is heard from about a mile away from the village. Everyone rushes to their positions. Hunter runs over to a map. We'll be back in a few hours. I suggest you go find some shade. The sun can be very painful, Hunter says. Got it, agrees Paul Blart, and he hides under the shade until the soldiers come back. He waits for Hunter to return, but he isn't there when the other soldiers come back. He is worried that something happened to Hunter, but the soldiers seem unharmed. We had a bit of an incident. What's the damage? one of the soldiers asked. We lost two, Hunter and Summers, says one soldier. Paul Blart is heartbroken and he swears revenge against whoever killed Hunter. He keeps this to himself, though, or even to himself. But he continues to be more angry than before. (laughs) Hunter's body is carried in on a stretcher. There is a piece of cloth in Hunter's dead hand. It is part of a Vietnamese army uniform, and it has the name Doan stitched into it. I, Paul Blart, do solemnly swear that I will kill this man called Doan. And Blart runs off into the trees at a frightening pace. He hides until nightfall. When he comes out, he sees that Hunter's body has been taken away. He waits until nightfall again and he sneaks into the area where Hunter was killed. Paul Blart, using his keen investigative mall protection skills, tracks down Doan's platoon. Doan's platoon are stationed in a village ten miles away. Paul Blart crawls through mud, streams and leaves to get there. Paul Blart stands before the village as the blood-red sun soaks the sky. Paul Blart enters the village. He sees the village, the huts, the people, and the soldiers. He sees the dead bodies of his friends, hunters and summers. <sighs> it's closing time, mother effers. Imagine the clouds going dark, a book being closed, a heavy set of mall doors being shut. Paul Blart cannot speak of what he did in that village. Paul Blart can never forget. Does Paul Blart return home? Is everything okay for him in the end? Find out next week in Blart of Darkness, Chapter 2. Thank you.